everyone, I'm Ioni and I'm the founder of Uplifting Content. I hope you're all doing well today. I'm really, really excited because I've been wanting to speak to Ariel for a while now. And so I'm pleased to introduce to you all Ariel Garten. Hello, how are you? Hello, I'm fantastic. <laughs> Thrilled to be here. Awesome. Um, so rather than me do introductions for people, I like to just give people the opportunity to introduce themselves and just sort of share whatever you would like to share about you and what you do. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> My name is Arielle. I'm the founder of a company called Muse. We make a brain sensing headband that helps you meditate. Um, that's kind of what I do during the day. What my real passion is, is helping people undo the knots that are in their heads. We all create all these stories that hold us back, that limit us, that keep us feeling like we're less than the amazing, beautiful people we really are. So I am somebody who I hope inspires other to, others to understand that you can be the amazing, beautiful person that you actually are. Yes, you sound right up my alley. <laughs> That's what I'm all about. I get so excited when I do these things, speaking to people like you, because we all just have the same mission, which is about yeah. just helping people be happy with them and, and love and yeah. Yeah, feel great. So that's cool. Um, guys, uh, we're going to be uh, taking questions and things like that. So if you have something to say, message us, leave a comment. Tanya's already saying hi on the call and we've got people from Houston and hi. Texas checking in. Exactly. Hi, <laughs> What's up? There'll be a lot of those. So we need to do a few of those. Um, so what I really am fascinated um, about with you is you're just such an inspiration. So not only are you a genius, you're also very creative. Is that one of your artworks behind you there? It's actually one of my mother's artworks. Oh, um, it looks beautiful. I can see of it. Oh my gosh. Love. Um, so what I would love to hear is a bit about um, your story and kind of your journey, because it's not just the founder of Muse. You, 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 you've just done so much. <laughs> <laughs> How did you sort of get to where you are today? Um, always by just an inspired desire to follow an idea and make it happen. So obviously I grew up with a very creative mother. Um, so I grew up in this environment where everything was possible. She was an artist, so she would have these big canvases and out of absolutely nothing, a white canvas, she would paint an entire world. Her imagination would literally bring the world to life. And that gave me the understanding, not necessarily the tools or the path or anything, but just the, the basic understanding that you can imagine something and from absolutely nothing, you have the ability to bring it to life. So I was always fast. Yeah. And I love that. For everyone in the world. I know. Really I just wish true. everyone knew what they were capable of. Because the thing is, when you don't believe or know that, you, you, you don't strive to create anything. And so I love that you had that from your mom at a young age. That's so amazing. I was super blessed to have that. And so I want to be able to share that insight with everyone. Yeah. So for me, I was always curious about how the world works. You know, why is the table hard? How does this function? And I always like to make stuff. So I started to make t-shirts and take them around to stores in Toronto. And all of a sudden, as like literally a teenager, I was a designer with little t-shirts that I'd made in the stores in my local hometown. And I was also fascinated by science. So I got a co-op job and then in a research lab and then through the co-op job, it expanded. And I really went quite deeply into sciences and learning from a very, you know, technical aspect, how the world works. Mm -hmm. um, after, oh, in school, I went to school for neuroscience because I was doing the fashion thing and loved it. I was also doing the science thing and loved it. And I figured, okay, well, I should get a real foundation in science because I can always go back to fashion. So I got an undergrad degree in neuroscience. And as soon as I graduated, opened my own clothing store. And I was just like, we're going to do the fashion thing and started doing yeah. fashion week every season, which was like, oh my God, 
you know, I'm this little tiny designer and all of a sudden my stuff is up on the runway in our local fashion week. And then I had some chutzpah. So I went to more stores and expanded the line. And before I knew it, I was making clothing that literally I would see people on the street wearing. That's um, awesome. And it's super important to say that I never actually knew how to sew in this entire <laughs> process. I'm a terrible, terrible seamstress. I admit that only as inspiration to let everybody know that you don't have to have everything perfect. You don't have to have all your ducks in the row. Uh, if you see something, you can still make it happen without even knowing how to sew. You could be a great clothing designer. So like, don't, don't worry about all these stories that we build up like, Oh, but I can't do this. And I can't do this. I can't do this. Cause you can do all sorts of other things that will get you to where you want to be. Right. So from there, I was fascinated by the brain. And I started to collaborate with a professor at the University of Toronto, Dr. Steve Mann. He had an early brain computer interface system. I should also say before this, I was fascinated by the brain. So I just like reached out to some labs and was like, I have this idea. And then I started collaborating with the researchers in the labs, even though I was just a 20 year old with an idea. So again, like, don't worry about if you don't have the background experience, you, you out there. find what you need to make your ideas come true. So we started to create concerts. This is with Dr. Seedman. We created concerts where people had a single EEG lead on the back of their head and they could actually make music with their brainwaves. What? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, for real. So you could actually take the sounds, the brainwaves, um, and, um, you could take your brainwaves and translate them into sound. And from there, actually here, it was going on inside your own mind. And we said, whoa, this, this is phenomenal. We're literally hearing what goes on inside people's heads. And from here, there was a seed of an idea that grew and grew and grew. So from there we said, all right, well, can we show people what they can do with their minds? And so we started to make physical objects that you could manage, change your brain state. Sorry, my uh, headphones falling out. Oh, no worries. So you could change your brain state and actually move things in the room. And then we said, okay, well, what's the biggest thing we can do with people's minds? Well, we are in Canada and it was 2009 and the Olympics were coming to Canada the next year. So we put together a project that allowed people in Vancouver to control the lights on the CN Tower, Canadian Parliament Buildings, and Niagara Falls with their brain from across the country. Wow. So we were a tiny little team of three people in a basement, me, uh, Trevor Coleman, and Chris Amini, my two co-founders in this little venture. And we had this wild and crazy idea. We started to create some prototypes. It was noticed by the local paper, which was then noticed by the local Ministry of Innovation, which was then sort of went up the ranks. And we ended up with this massive project where people in Vancouver could control the lights on these massive objects with their brain. That's um, crazy. 2,000 miles across the country. Yeah. So we expanded to a team of 25 people. We executed this insane idea. And over the 17 days Olympics, 7,000 people got to control the lights on the CN Tower with their brain. <laughs> wow. So now, oh my gosh, I have a question for you, which is yeah, how sure. close are you to reading people's minds and having people's thoughts be like spoken out loud? Is that coming? Because that's kind of... Scary. Not at all. We're very, very, very far from that. So right now, <laughs> this is incredibly rudimentary. Um, mm. What we can detect is changes in your overall big brain state. So mm. uh, as you relax or you close your eyes, your alpha waves increase. As you focus on something, your beta waves increase. Um, so we can detect these large scale changes. Um, or we can detect like really, really defined things. So meditation is what we got into next. Um, mm. But we can in no way detect any notion of your thoughts or your dreams. Uh, that may be for some other absolutely crazy person who has this amazing yeah. idea runs forward and builds it and it occurs 20 That's years ago. That's what you guys are doing, yeah. So can you share with us what Muse is? Because I know it and I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just for people who might not know what, what's Muse. 
Sure. So from this crazy idea of controlling the lights in the CN Tower at the Olympics, we recognized that what we could really do with the technology is help people understand themselves. And we had an amazing opportunity to take this invisible stuff that happens inside and make it visible. Mm. And the best thing that we knew how to apply this to was meditation. Mm. So everybody knows meditation is good for you, but it's really hard to do. So we built a tool called Muse that teaches you to meditate. So it is a brain sensing headband, slips on just like a pair of glasses, just like this, tracks your brain in real time and sends that data to your smartphone. And it actually translates the sound of your mind during meditation into the sound of the weather. Mm -hmm. So when you're thinking, distracted, ruminating, you actually hear it as windy or stormy. Yes. And if you come to a state of clear, focused attention, it quiets those winds. So I first heard about you, I was at an event uh, with a friend of mine um, in San Francisco. I forget which one it was now. It's like a kind of mindfulness business event a couple of years ago. And I tried it. I tried the thing and, and it was really fun. So yeah, you put it on and I didn't really understand the concept at first. And so the more you're thinking, the louder the soundscapes are and the kind of a little bit more frantic they are and the, the quieter your mind is, the quieter the sounds are. So initially it was like really, really super quiet. And then I think I got something, something, yeah. And then something happens. Like I think somebody had sat next to me or something happened. So I started thinking and then, and then I was thinking and then all these noises started. I didn't realize that that's what was happening. So I was like really right. freaking yeah. out and then all these noises were happening. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> and then I just realized how fantastic that is. Um, you know, when you're quiet, it's quiet. But the funny thing is you start to think and then the sounds come and then I'm like, oh, I'm thinking, be quiet, relax. It's, it's just remarkable how it works. It's really, really cool. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So we built it so that people could really have an understanding of what goes on in this space of meditation. So mm. typically when you try to meditate, you sit there and your brain bounces all over the place and you're like, what am I supposed to be doing? Or you have an established meditation practice and your mind is wandering and wandering and wandering. And you're like, oh, right. I'm supposed to bring it back. Mm. So news gives you this real time feedback that actually lets you know what goes on inside your mind. Yeah. And then from there, we have a motivational architecture and some uh, gamification and structure around it because one of the, the next hardest thing once you figure out how to meditate is figure out how to do it regularly. So it helps you actually build the practice. Yes. Yes. So it's the, the headset's connected to an app. And so I guess it, that's all controlled through the app. Is that right? Exactly. So the app actually tracks your progress every day. You can go back and you can see how your brain was doing moment to moment, see how you're improving. And it uh, encourages you and motivates you forward, both mm -hmm. because you see, you know, this external success, which is, just external. And then also because it allows you to recognize the internal success, the changes that you're making in your life, how you feel better every day. And that really engages you and motivates you to keep going. I love it. I love it. I'm going to take some comments from people. We've got, uh, our audiences are awesome. They're from everywhere. We've got a few people in the States today. So we've got um, Sherry from Indianapolis, Amber from Detroit. What's up? Laws is always on the calls. How are you doing, Laws? Missed the first couple of minutes. Can you catch me up? Yep. Ariel is the, one of the co-founders of Muse. It's a really fantastic product that helps you meditate, which she was just saying about that. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to pick her brains about stuff because she's awesome. Uh, Tanya says, <laughs> Tanya says, I do not consider myself a creative person. How can I train my brain to be creative? How can I find my creative side at the age of 40? Any thoughts on that, Ariel? Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. So we are all creative. This mm -hmm. idea that I'm not creative is a myth. We create all sorts of stories about ourselves. And as we age, those stories sometimes become more and more calcified. And so one thing that meditation allows you to do is to drop the story. Mm -hmm. um, so when you start dropping the stories, a freedom 
emerges, a joy emerges, a space of possibility emerges. Mm. And then you can recognize all of the things you can be rather than the sort of calcified story you cre created about yourself. So mm. I bet you that you actually are extraordinarily creative when you look at what you do in your daily job, even if it's a boring job, non-creative job, like working in a bank, you're solving problems all the time. You're looking at the relationships between things. You're having insight. You're having new ideas. That's all creativity. Mm. Um, and there's, once you drop the narrative about what creativity is and how it relates to you, you're really free to become the creative person that you are, or recognize the creative person that you are. Another good thing about creating, uh, remember about creativity is anxiety tends to be the thing that kills creativity. Right. Because you're like, I have this great idea. Oh my God, this is super scary because I'm all alone with it and I'm really anxious and I'm going to turn away and not do it. Yeah. It's the same thing that happens with procrastination. So you sit down to do a task and you're like, this seems really big. I'm going to run away and look in the fridge right now. <laughs> I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to clean the microwave, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so when you learn to not be driven by that sensation of anxiety, not be driven away from what you really want, but just to sit with it and say, okay, I feel some anxiety arising. That's just a sensation. We can let that sensation pass. What's underneath it? What's the next experience when I sit here and remain focused with myself and let the stuff that I'm used to just following, the roller coaster I'm used to getting on, like, whoop, anxiety, get me out of it, ciao. Yeah. When you stop following that roller coaster, you can actually just see what's behind it, see what you would have naturally done, see what inspiration would have come from sitting at your computer with that initial idea that you had. Right. What procrastination and anxiety got in your way. It's so true. And I find all, all my inspiration comes from, it will just pop out of a thing when I'm very sort of relaxed and, and not worrying and just kind of open and receptive. And, and it's interesting. You see that too, there's been a lot of times where I've had things and I've let fear get in the way of it and stuff like that. So really great advice um, for you, Tanya, stop the story, try the meditation, be open. You are creative. You're creating, you're alive. You're being creative. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you make like breakfast it. this morning? If you did, you're probably creative. Yes, that's a really great point. <laughs> that's a really good. Are you putting words together, speaking to anyone? That's being creative. <laughs> and we love you for it. Exactly. Great points. Um, Shelly says, hi, lady from Shelly in Nashville. Um, Sherry's okay. on the call. Uh, Tanya Moreau says, um, buy a book on creative visualization. Yeah, great idea. And check out Muse. Um, Sherry says, thanks for all this great info. She loves it. Tony says, everything you guys are, are talking about is awesome. Love the Muse concept and neurofeedback applications. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'll put links to everything um, at the end of this call too. Sue says, I've taught myself to meditate over the last few years. I can sit anywhere and have trained my mind to hear nothing. Uh, I am aware of what is around me, but can block it out. Very spiritual, but not religious. I find this also interesting. Cool. And thank you for that point, Sue, because was, that was one of the questions that I um, had for Ariel too, which is, um, you strike me as, as maybe being spiritual. I could be off the mark, but um, uh, strike me as spiritual based off your TED talk and things like that. Um, is that true? And, and how does that relate to science, do you think? That's a really great question. So am I spiritual? I believe that we don't have the answer for everything. There's mm -hmm. lots of stuff that exists that is greater than us and beyond us that we do not know. Um, mm -hmm. Do I believe any, any specific thing, any specific religion? I'm Jewish culturally, but I don't believe in a God. I don't believe in anything else um, mm -hmm. per se. Um, and I don't know that spirituality is actually part of the meditation question necessarily. So mm -hmm. I, you know, I've, believe in energy. I do energy work. There's all sorts of things that you dub as spiritual that I'm quite sure will have a scientific explanation rolling mm. out someday down the road. We just haven't figured it out yet. Mm. Um, but from a scientific perspective, for those that 
aren't spiritual, there's a ton of amazing science behind meditation. So when you do a eight-week mindfulness practice, you increase the density of your gray matter. Um, so you're getting more connections in your brain. You decrease the size of your amygdala, that fear response that makes you procrastinate and run away and do things. You uh, increase your hippocampal function. You increase the connectivity between uh, the two hemispheres of your brain. There's you increase the uh, thickness of your prefrontal cortex. That's the part of your brain responsible for organization and planning and self-management. Mm. Uh, you decrease your internal dialogue. Um, there's a host of things that neuroscience from places like Harvard uh, have proven that meditation does. So whether you want to come at it from a spiritual aspect because that resonates with you and is meaningful to you, or you just want to train your brain to get smarter and more organized and more attentive, you know, based on science, um, either is a great answer that, you know, medita meditation is a great answer to either of those. Yeah, fantastic. Really great points. Um, uh, Mike says demons, question mark. Clarify what you mean, Mike. What does that mean? Um, so one of the other questions I had for you is you, you've, you've started this and, you know, we, I keep seeing, you know, you guys have raised huge amounts and like doing all this incredible research and developing all these projects. How has it been for me, for, me, for example, for someone that's in the early stages of, um, you know, developing a business and stuff like that? Um, how has this been for you uh, growing this and, and doing this and so what what challenges have you faced so it's been a ton of fun that's for sure yeah good um, in terms of challenges as funny as it sounds it's never felt like a challenge mm. it's not to say that things weren't a challenge it just never felt that way I guess I've always had a mindset and perspective that anything is possible and I'm always whatever I'm doing I'm learning and I'm feeling excited by it and engaged and enthused so it doesn't really feel like challenge or struggle you know mm. that said I have no MBA. I have, um, you know, don't really have a background in business yet. I went out and was able to raise a significant amount of money from venture capitalists um, because I went to the local incubator here and I signed myself up with my team and I had the support of, of you know, two good friends and we'd all come together and we learned together and we had the gall to go out and do it. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you have a good idea, in some ways, nothing Things may be challenges, but they don't feel like struggles. And when you have a good idea, if it's really a good idea, people around you naturally want to help and support you because they want to see this idea come to life too. Mm. So it's actually a pretty good benchmark of how good is your idea when you tell people, do they go like, oh yeah, that's great. You know, how can I help? Right. Um, or do they go, oh, okay. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. So obviously you have a great idea because you have lots of people who are joining you online and saying, this is awesome and coming back you know, right, every right. time and wanting to, wanting to do it. Right. So you need to take all of that as encouragement and just dream about where you want to go and put those dreams out there and, and ask people for help and support. Because yes. if they believe in those dreams too, and if they're good dreams, we all want to believe in good things, people will come and help and support you. I'm a huge believer in that and I've spoken about that in a couple of other live streams as well. It's, you know, there's a, uh, the Aladdin factor is a really fantastic book and it's, and it's that, you know, ask for what you want. You know, we say that good things come to those who wait. No, people don't, if you don't ask for things, you don't get them. It's, it's the, the wrong conditioning, you know, just be, ask for what you want. It's fantastic. Um, uh, we've got away some, some And ask for what you want in a way that's not necessarily selfish. You're not asking because like, I want to be super famous or I want to be the ruler of the world or I want, mm. you're asking because I have an idea that I think is going to be really beneficial for people and mm. I want to see this happen. And mm. if other people agree, if it is a good idea, then they'll want to see it happen too and galvanize around you. That's a so, really fantastic point. Yeah. 
ego. So a lot of people are brought up to, to be like, oh, I can't ask for things because then I'll be seen as, you know, hubris or pride or, you know, like, this is not about me. It's not about you. Don't make it about you. It's mm -hmm. about the thing you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. It's the thing that everybody wants to accomplish. Yeah. And they come together around that. And so don't be afraid to ask because you're doing this so that everybody's life can be better. You're doing this so that you can create something that's going to help a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Good points. Love this. Tony says, best way to explain, I guess, is that like with any perfect working machine organism, the brain also takes advantage of its non-active time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess that, that would make sense. The subconscious. So when, you, um, when you go into a meditative state, it is essentially a restful state for the brain. You're not mm. having a lot of uh, random activity. You're generally synchronizing into a nice alpha wave, which is a literally restful state. Um, and in doing so, you allow your brain to more effectively regenerate, uh, process existing you know, thoughts and materials, et cetera. So mm. you're totally correct. Cool. What is next for Muse? Because I've seen that you have the glasses, which is, is it for mm -hmm. attention? Can you explain those? They seem really cool. Sure. So uh, in partnership with Cephilo and uh, Smith Optics, they make super awesome uh, sports sunglasses. Uh, together, we've created a pair of glasses that has brain sensors in it and a bunch of other sensors. And it has a beautiful application that trains your focus. Um, it's very much like Muse, but a little bit different. It's really aimed at training and focus, whereas Muse is, uh, really uh, exists as a meditation tool, but very similar concepts and just a different form factor. So the glasses are awesome. There's something that you can wear throughout the day anytime, uh, and you can you know, track your brain throughout the day and whenever needed, just within your, literally your eyeglasses, engage this amazing meditation brain training activity. So, so how does it work? So you've got the glasses on, you're, you're walking, so say you're, you're like sitting down doing work or you're reading, like how, do that, how, does, how do the glasses make you do that? Um, so just like the Muse, it's an app yeah. on your phone. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can actually even put prescription lenses in, your, in those glasses, sunglasses or regular glasses. Mm -hmm. You can be sitting there doing your work, you realize that your mind is starting to wander a little bit, close the computer, open the app, sit down and do a focus session. Mm. Then close the app, go back to working on your computer. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And over time, we're going to see developers build all sorts of fun apps for that platform. Um, like, for example, things that could track your brain state while you continue to work and give you real-time feedback. Mm, excellent. Oh, this is so exciting. Um, Lost says, I find it difficult to meditate for even 10 minutes. So I just mm -hmm. need to keep, to keep practicing. Am I fidgety? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, I guess so. <laughs> okay, so the good news is everybody's brain goes all over the place and everybody finds it hard to meditate uh, initially. You're not fidgety. You're normal. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's not that type of brain that bounces. It's yeah. super normal. Um, and actually this problem that you described is really why we built Muse. I initially was a terrible meditator. I knew meditation was fantastic for you. I wanted to do it. I tried to build a practice and I couldn't. I would sit there and after three minutes, I'd be like, oh my God, two minutes and 58 seconds, two minutes and 60. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it was using news starting just at three minutes a day and moving my way up that I was able to build the diligence and the practice to feel what it was like to meditate, to know that I was doing it right. It's a silly term to apply to meditation, but it's a useful frame at times to say it in that way. Um, and then to build your practice. Um, and if you don't use Muse, the answer is yes, you're doing the right thing. Just keep sticking with it. Um, and if 10 minutes feels like a challenge, start with five, feel feel the accomplishment of that, the peace that comes from that, and then gradually move your way up. 
So you're not thinking that it's 10 minutes of torture and building a negative relationship with it. You're doing something that feels accomplishable and good and then moving yourself up from there. Yeah, that's a good way of doing it. Because, yeah, I, uh, there's a guy called Kyle Cease who we interviewed for our Uplifting Content Summit recently. Um, and he was talking about, you know, meditating for two hours a day. Um, and he, he, he's, he had so much sort of creative creativity that came from that, that thing. And so I was like, let me try and meditate for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, pull my hair out, pull my other hair out. And yeah. laugh. <laughs> it, was a, it was a challenge. I think I got to about 45 minutes. We've got this like a little timer awesome. thing. And, yeah, which I thought was really good. And I think giving myself the two hour time frame allowed me to do that because sometimes when I give myself it's always if it's a 10 minute thing then I kind of want to give up at five minutes but if I gave myself two hours then I actually 45 minutes was like oh I, I can do this because it's not two hours um but yeah I think there's there's definitely the way of just building it up and seeing the benefit from it and for me whenever I'm stressed I just take a moment just to sit and sort of yeah just check in with myself so I think that's important Sue says, I work with people with special needs, uh, education, disabilities. I've been able to teach um, some to use a light form of meditation for calming. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, Ariel, do you, um, so, so with Muse, what, obviously there's medical benefits, there's scientific benefits. Um, do people get these for like treatment and things like that? How closely tied are you to sort of medical stuff? Um, so Muse is actually used by thousands of clinicians, psychotherapists, psychiatrists, chiropractors, naturopaths, et cetera, et cetera, who use Muse in their practice every day um, with their patients. So in the past, you'd come to a clinician, you come to a doctor and you, you have hypertension or you have depression and they would say you should meditate. Um, but nobody ever knows how to do it. It's very difficult and particularly with even non-special needs populations. It's hard to teach and hard to gain compliance. Um, we ourselves wouldn't make any claims about anything medical like hypertension, depression, etc. Um, but a trained clinician, you know, regularly applies it in their practice in a way that makes sense for them. Um, so yes, Muse is used, you know, for, can be used uh, in where meditation would be used for a range of different uh, things that come up in all of our lives. Very cool. Uh, and then just to finish with the last comment, uh, Sherry says, uh, oh, she's, she's comment to Sue. Sue, that's cool. I'm wanting, to I'm wanting to start meditating, but don't know how to start. Well, you have to watch this interview back because Ariel has tons and tons of advice. And um, thank you. I'm so, so very excited. Um, Ariel and the team at Muse have kindly offered a free uh, Muse headset. Uh, where, so we're going we're gonna to launch this contest. There'll be a link um, in a few minutes after the end of this call where you can sign up. So one of you will win your very own uh, Muse headset, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so um, make sure you sign up. Also, they've offered 15% off um, uh, any, any products if you wanna go and buy something. And so we'll have the link for that. It's a special offer for, for you guys for watching. Um, and I just wanna say thank you so much, Ariel. This has been really, really fun. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to share. My pleasure. Cool. All right, guys. Lovely talking to you all. We'll have links to the, to the giveaway and the discount uh, coming for you shortly. So stay tuned. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let's Talk About with me, Ioni Butler. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you like it, please leave a review on iTunes. For more information, go to ionibutler.com or upliftingcontent.com. Speak to you soon.